Listening to the Order 66 podcast, brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and the generous donations of Jared Williams, Kevin Malone, Donald Weller, Sean Kumar, Darren Hampton, Andy Bethel, B. Witzel, and Balaam's Blasters. What is up, Gamer Nation? GM Chris here, and welcome to the original podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars role-playing, the Order 66 podcast. And I am joined tonight by a co-host of extreme spontaneity, extreme speciality, and extreme extremeness of extreme things and cool hats. GM Phil. Boogina, boogina, boogina! (laughs) How are you, sir? I, I'm spon- feeling spontaneous. How are you? Oh, I'm not feeling spontaneous. I'm feeling I'm feeling splendiferous. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And we are unfortunately sans GM Dave uh, tonight uh, as he is working his game store, which is probably going to be the case for the foreseeable near-term future. Uh, but uh, we, we can hope and pray that we'll get him on someday again very soon. Um, yes. Without having to wait a few months, at least. Um, right. Oh, man. How was your week? Uh, busy, but good. Um, finished up a freelance assignment, got locked and loaded for the Fallout Genesis game I ran just a few hours ago, and, uh, generally speaking, having a good time. Okay, I, I went up to, you made me think of Fallout. I, I, um, it's not Fallout related, but just awesome settings. I went up to, I was at, I was at Dave's Game Shop earlier this afternoon, and, uh, DM Tim and his whole crew were there, uh, running a setting, Stargate. Nice. Nice. That's a solid setting. I mean, you yeah. do it like, you know, the Stargate TV, SG-1 staff stuff. That offers so much uh, uh, fodder for, for our campaign. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So You can almost do anything with that. Mm-hmm. I had a tight week, man. I uh, I went to the Fleetwood Mac concert on Thursday night. Oh, yeah, I saw. How was it? Oh, my God. It was amazing. It's like, depending on how old you are, you either be like, dude, Fleetwood Mac, awesome. Or you're like, who? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, dude, it was it was epic. Um, Truly epic. They're they're really old and they're still rocking it. It was really amazing. It was really amazing. I get to scratch that one off the bucket list. So excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I got. I got. I got. We can knock stuff off like that. I was. I gotta get the. I gotta get the old bands in when I can. You know, like I. I, I got to see the Stones a few years ago. You know, and because. Yep. It's not going to be that much longer before. <laughs> nope. So they can only preserve Keith Richards for so long. Yeah. There. So there's a. There's a group of people that believe that Keith Richards died in 1973. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that and that Mick brought him back with like voodoo magic, like he's an animated zombie. Because if you look, if you look at the tapes, if if you look, if you look at the tapes in 1973, like like early 1973, Keith Richards is on stage and he's jumping around, he's dancing, he's moving, he's ah la 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 la. 1974, you look at the tapes and he's just like standing there with his head down, playing, not moving, <laughs> not nothing. It's almost like almost like a weekend at Bernie's kind of thing, you know? And so yeah, there's a whole group of people that say that Keith Richards died in nineteen seventy three. Well, I, I don't know. So anyway, we are way off topic and we are here to talk about some Star Wars role playing. Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> Disney World. Disney World. Star Wars. Because I love me some Star Wars. Um, yes. <laughs> should we get to some announcements? Please. Hello there. What have we here? Good news. What do we got, man? We have the featured podcast of the week. And in this hobby, it is hard not to love the Lovecraftian genre. And those who've experienced the utter mind-shattering joy of Call of Cthulhu RPGs know what we're talking about. Yeah, buddy. Well, the Miskatonic University podcast is there to cover all things Lovecraftian RPG related and to teach you things you can't unlearn. Keepers John, Dan, and Murph recently dropped episode 165, Rethinking Cosmic Horror with Sam Riordan. Riordan? Riordan. Riordan. Never seen it spelled that way. Sam Riordan. An utterly fantastic episode with special guest Sam Riordan of Meta Arcade for a deep discussion about the interactive storytelling game Cthulhu Chronicles, as well as new angles in cosmic horror for your own games. A great interview and a great episode. Go check it out. That and many other great podcasts at www.d20radio.com. Oh, yes. And while you're there geeking out on some really great podcasts, you'll also find the best gaming blog on the internet at d20radio.com, fully endorsed by the First Order for Stormtrooper Reeducation. It is there you will find amazing fan-generated content and articles to tickle your brain and reprogram your thoughts. Just a couple of highlights from this week. We had a really good week of articles. Um... Linda Whitson gave us another fantastic set of NPC stat blocks in her Astral Projection series. Um, this time, Sian Un, Celestin Ataru Striker. Uh, with both low-level and night-level stats, uh, Sian is an alternative to the typical Celestin NPC you see, which is a pilot. Um, this time, you know, uh, she kind of wanted to take that high agility character and kind of play against type. Uh, for a really fun NPC that you could throw down, uh, you know, on your game table right now. Uh, and it's it's really cool. Uh, meanwhile, Kim Franson gives us a wonderful article in his Finder's Archives series about Jules Verne um, and his influence, realized or not, on sci-fi and sci-fi RPGs. Can understanding and reading the Tolkien of sci-fi make your sci-fi games better? It's a great little read. So go check it out. And you guys can find these articles and more content daily at d20radio.com. 
Convention Madness, Gamer Nation Con 6 is less than two months away. God. Event submission is live. And it's the ability to purchase one or a few remaining tickets. Head on over to GamerNation.com, GamerNationCon.com, and check out the event submission guide for the link to submit events and to buy a badge if you haven't already. Assuming that there's any left. There's a couple. There's literally a couple left. There you go. So very cool. Are you excited? What are you? What are you running for Gamer Nation Con? Uh, I am going to be running a Fallout game based on the Unstoppables. Anyone who is a fan of the Fallout games knows that the Unstoppables are the kind of pulpy Justice League of that, of, that just appear in the game as comic books, except that your character in Fallout Four can find the Silver Shroud and Grognak the Barbarians attire and weapons and in fallout 76 the mistress of mystery actually makes an appearance well i've got lee's little minis here that i once again picked up from uh hero forge all done in the style of the uh heroes of from the unstoppables and i'm going to be running a uh fallout adventure based on that since the theme of the game theme of the con is superheroes fantastic uh i can't wait um, with any I, luck, I'll also do another one uh, with my uh, City of Heroes characters that I brought last year, except in this year, instead of facing down the Circle of Thorns, you'll be facing down the Fifth Column. Very nice. How about you? What are you running? Um, Aegis, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm running, I'm running a lot of Aegis uh, to meet with the superhero theme of the con. Good. Um, I do have a secret Star Wars game in the works um, that I will be putting public events out for. Cool. Um, and then, of course, I'm going to be also be running uh, some familiar. Uh, my my other the other Genesis setting I've worked on in 2018. Um, Excellent. So very 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 eager to do that. And then, of course, I've got a couple indie RPGs that I just have to throw down on the table. Um, right. So uh, uh, in addition, um, we'll be uh, we'll be running a lot of Everyone Is John. Um, oh gods <laughs> which uh i am i am pleased to announce that gamer nation studios um so anyone who backed the kickstarter will get a free digital copy of this just period um but we're so pleased with what we've done in terms of the treatment we've given it and we've we've turned what was uh 16 years ago a one and a half page micro rpg that was written for the fun of it um, and uh, by a dude named Michael Sullivan, who then, God bless him, published it uh, for everybody under Creative Commons so that anyone can do anything with it. And uh, we have, and we've turned it into about a 60-page RPG. Um, we have refined the rules um, heavily because we've played it hundreds and hundreds of hours. Um, it still retains its core, but we have added all kinds of scenarios to teach you how to play this game in a medieval setting, in a science fiction setting, in a superheroic setting, how to handle magic or superpowers, how to handle horror and sanity. Um, and then uh, the, the half the book is adventure seeds and scenarios to, um, to get your, your game going. And we're really, we're, we're so pleased with it actually that we are going to be taking it to Kickstarter. Um, and that's going to happen next month. So even if you get the digital copy for free for pledging for the con, if you guys want a paper copy, um, an actual published book, um, we will be going to Kickstarter for that. And it's going to be a relatively low goal. It is not expensive to publish books. Um, wow. Not not a perfect bound like this, like like six by nine. It's really not. We're we're gonna have we're gonna have a goal of just a few hundred dollars. That's all we need. And uh, there you go. Uh, just to to get this out there on the shelf um, for people. So uh, very 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 excited. Um, 
And uh, we'll have some stretch goals, you know, maybe to include a few additional more 500-word adventure seeds, you know, maybe from some published and noted freelancers and authors in the industry that we might happen to know. Just Could saying. happen. Could happen. Could happen. Just saying. But these are these are things that happen. These are things that happen. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. <laughs> but if so you guys something that you foresee, uh, oh, oh, as it is foretold, as it is foretold, almost in the all, digital text. In the digital text. Well, I foresee and I, I am foretold a lot of things, um, but mostly because I read them on social media, which is honestly what you guys should do. You guys need to stay in the know. You need to find out about everything we've just talked about, everything that's going to be happening, and everything that has happened as well. If you like to read historical social media posts because you have no life like me, uh, stay in the know. Follow us on the social medias. News and podcast info on a daily basis. Like the Order 66 pod, uh, podcast Facebook page uh, for regular updates um, to ask us questions there. Um, it's also the place to watch our unedited simulcasts of each show. And, of course, join the D20 Radio Facebook group for some lively discussion. You can also follow the GMs on Twitter, at D20 Radio, where we make show announcements. Um, and you can join our ever-growing and thriving D20 Radio Discord channel. Uh, we post and tweet show info and announcements regularly. So please do that. But, uh, you know, as you were alluding to, Phil, I think it is time we get to the meat of the show because we have a, a lengthy topic to discuss, and it's been a while since we've walked this particular path, has it not? It, it has indeed. So uh, let's uh, hop up on our soapboxes and let's get this going. Hoo-ah. Wow, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Um, we are we are proud to return to our semi-regular meat of the show segment. Well, isn't that special? Um, our our deep dive into a specific specialization. So tonight, by listener request, uh, we focus on one of the more unusual specs uh, recently introduced into the game. Uh, a somewhat contradictory specialization that really blurs the line between force user and force enabler. A uh, spec that stretches the line between party face and flat-out propagandist. A spec that cuts the line in half between mystical adherent and egomaniacal figurehead. Uh, and tonight, uh, we discuss the profit specialization in detail. Its goals, its strengths, its flaws, as well as how you can build the best profit for your own character. And like we do, we're going to cap off our profit discussion by putting our own advice to task in a build-off between the hosts, bringing our best profits to the table. So prepare, Gamer Nation, to sit in rapt attention, to be awed by the splendor of our words and message, to be swayed by our voices and decimated by our cutting words, as we rise to the pulpit and talk about the prophet on your Order 66 podcast. And what makes you so special? In my book, experience outranks everything. Great kid, don't get cocky. I'm looking forward to completing your training. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. Well, isn't that special? Right on. So, let's get this started, Padawans. Turn to your storybooks to page 30 of Ultimate Power. Uh, Unlimited Power. That's the Force and Destiny's mystic source book. 
and you want to follow along with the prophet. The prophet fit, the prophet is a very focused character in terms of its mechanical abilities, but a highly dichotomous one in terms of just how these capabilities are used. It is a character that consistently walks a dangerous line and occupies a fairly unique place in the party makeup, unlike a few other socially focused characters. <laughs> okay, so talk to me about that. I mean, if we're going to like like we do with this, let's talk about playing a prophet. What are they about, Phil? What do they care about? When you when you are playing a prophet, what choices and playstyles should define your character in general? Or a few key things we can point to? Absolutely. Um, as we kind of alluded to in the opener, this is a face character. It's a social character, to be sure. But what differentiates them from the myriad of other socially focused specializations is their expertise and capability with massive public interactions, not individual ones. Negotiating an intense deal, stalking the streets to gather rumors, or romancing the target, or interrogating a tough subject, the prophet can do all these things, and in some cases can do it better than others. But it is not what they are focused on. It's not what they do best. A prophet is about large-scale social interactions primarily, inspiring or striking fear into very large crowds, speaking from a pulpit or a soapbox, crafting hollow net messages designed to sway thousands or... Millions. So, basically a podcaster. That's kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want to be a skilled negotiator or a suave con artist, then there are much better specs. This spec is for those who want to be propagandists, inspiring leaders, or feared figures, and find more enjoyment in being social than a crowd instead of as individuals. This is what it really means and differentiates this spec from its sister spec in the mystic career, the advisor. Mm -hmm. Additionally, and this will come even become even more apparent when we dig into the skills and talents, the prophet has zero combative ability. <laughs> None. Nada. Zip. Zilch. This is a character who gets others to beat people up for them mm -hmm. if they need people beaten up at all. Yeah. But that's the first point. They're a public face. Right. Now, how is this reflected as far as this being a mystic spec or a force-based spec? Well, that's the thing. So when you talk about the prophet, you're a public face character, but you are also the force personified. That is the, other, the second really key aspect of this kind of build for me, this particular spec. This is a force-using spec, and that influence of the force will color all of your interactions as a prophet. Um, most of your best abilities are force related, um, and your presence and your social activities should have, should have a supernatural component to them or an aura about them. In a sense, you, you really should be devoted to mysticism of some sort, and you should use it to convince others of your message. You know, a prophet has and is about a prophet is a message that's what they're about an underlying goal they are constantly trying to communicate and achieve and the primary reason for their social activities and influences is to promote that goal to promote that message whatever they believe in um adherence to the force you know as a religion uh whether that's light or dark uh support for the rebellion for the republic the jedi or the empire or the first order or the sith Ultimately, being the force personified means that from a mystical sense, you are walking charisma. And whether you want it or not, a prophet is a character who is highly public, 
highly influential figure wherever they go. And whether or not that persona sparks reverence, respect, love, hatred, peace, or divisiveness, depending on the message they're spreading, you are somebody who is out there all the time. Yeah. The Prophet has some of the greatest power in the galaxy at their disposal. The ability to influence others. Mm -hmm. The challenge for the prophet is that they are far too, it's far too easy to insert their personal biases, desires, or fears into their message. What's the difference between a re reverent religious speaker and a con artist, a messianic <laughs> figure, or a cult leader? Voice that moves others to stand up against oppression or a terrorist inciter? Yeah. The only difference is the personal fear or gain that leader chooses to impart in their message. The difference between using the force to make your message clear or using the force to impose your will on others is another big factor. More than any other characters, conflict and morality is going to be playing center stage with your build. When you have the capability to inspire or infect so many people, the consequences of your actions are magnified, and this is reflected in conflict and morality. This is a character that really walks the line. Constantly. Oh, yeah. I mean, unless you choose to step over the line and stay there. That's easy to do. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and kind of, as we're going to about to talk about, these builds really tend to favor that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the, it, this isn't really a great class, or, or it's really a difficult class if you want to try to keep your character middling gray force use. Um, you're either going to do things that are going to push you towards Paragon or push you down towards Dark Side Devotee. So when we think of all this, all right, and we talk about what this character should be played like, okay, yeah. you know, walking that line, being the force personified, being a, a, a public face, as you said, let's talk about the mechanics behind that. Because with this role-playing knowledge under our belt, if we're going to go ahead and build a character like this, let's start at the start. With what we've said and what type of character this is, talk to me about characteristics, man. What characteristics sure. of the six should be paramount for this build? Where where should somebody put the majority of their XP at character creation? Well, right off the bat, your primary characteristics are going to be willpower and presence. You are a social character, but you have a very specific social skill list to focus on. Not only based on your career skills, but also based on your talents. As such, leadership, charm, and coercion should be your biggest skills leading to willpower and presence as the primary characteristics. Additionally, you are a force wielder, so a good willpower score and thus discipline, which is really important and is not a career skill for you, is quite wise. Mm -hmm. Which is more important, willpower or presence? Ideally, they should both be on equal footing, but if you're going to focus on one or the other, it depends on the profit path or build you really wish to focus on. If you're going to focus on inspiring others with leadership and charm, then obviously you want to go presence. If you're going to focus on the force and coercion to influence others, then go with willpower. But ideally, both should be high. This means having a three or better in at least one of the two, if not both, and never a one. Fair enough. Now, this leads to our secondary characteristic choices. You know, if, if willpower and presence should be your threes, what should be your next highest stats? It's going to be either cunning or intelligence. Um, 
this really comes down again to kind of how you're playing your profit and whether you're needing to beef up the other parts of the face character or you want to focus on being a more scholarly or educated type of leader, which is actually very common, especially to religious folks, which a prophet can definitely fit that niche. Right. Um, so let's start with cunning. Um, deception is a career skill for the prophet and not the mystic, but the prophet. Um, and depending on how you play things, it may be a very common skill for you, uh, despite the fact that other social skills are better optimized by the profit spec, especially in terms of its talent organization. Um, right. Now, not only does cunning key to discipline, but it also keys to streetwise, which is not on your skill list at all. So it is wise, again, to have a higher cunning to boost that skill pool naturally. Um, streetwise, very common for a face character. Um, at the very least, you should have at least a two in cunning. Mm. If you're going to go the cunning route, perhaps instead you decide on intellect. Now, the mystic has some knowledge skills on their career list, and the prophet, again, is commonly going to be well-versed in lore, as well as the cultures of those they're going to be influencing. Um, so at least a two in intellect, not a bad idea if that's really the path you want to go. Um, but ultimately what? I mean, your, your dump stats are going to be strength and agility. Or, are going to be strength and agility. That's, that's where your are brawn and agility. That's where your dump stats are going to be. Yeah, because you don't have any combative ability built into this skill, into the, into this spec. No, no, you just you don't. Oh, elsewhere if you really want to do that. Now, the sk that's characteristics. Now, let's talk about skills, as we've alluded to here. The skill list for the Mystic Prophet is pretty much what you'd expect, but with a few well-designed absences to your typical face character that align well with what the Prophet is and what it isn't. Uh -huh. From the Mystic, you get career skills as like charm, coercion, lore... Outer Rim, Perception, and Vigilance. Mm -hmm. for, your free three, for your free three ranks from the spec, you get Charm and Coercion are must... I'm sorry. For your three skills from the career, Charm and Coercion are must-haves. These choices are going to best fit with your characteristics and abilities as we've just discussed. Mm -hmm. For your other free rank, what you decide is up to you. Uh, depends on who, what, and to whom that you'll be preaching... Perception or vigilance are wise choices. Or if you want to be more educated, you've got two excellent knowledge skills available as well. Yes. Now, when you get into the spec, um, obviously the spec skill list, you've got, um, you know, the, the profit adds to your career, career skill list. Charm, again. Uh, coercion, again. Uh, mm -hmm. Deception and leadership, uh, which is a strong list of purely social capabilities, really fitting for the build. Um, it is a rarity, Phil, that two of your primary skills are available twice. I know. And 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 dang it, for, for no other reason, guys, you should snap your two free specialization ranks in Charm and Coercion again. That is 20 free, he says with air quotes, free XP that you do not have to spend. So don't. Um now, having said that, yes, you are going to want leadership. You're going to want it hard. And that free rank in leadership is tempting, but it is less expensive for you to take take the second rank in Charm and Coercion now. It's going to be less expensive now. Um, so, you know, yeah, you'll want leadership. You'll want to get it, though. Lots of ranks. But just get that free 10 XP Coercion Charm ranks now while you can. If you got the points, drop 5 XP and get it at start, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do it. Do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're going to need it just from an XP, XP efficiency standpoint, double up on charm and coercion. Right. Now, having said all this, you're really going to want to pump XP into leadership, as I just mentioned. Remember that because we're going to come back to it. Also, notice that negotiation is conspicuously absent from your list. Again, 
You're a social character who doesn't focus on individual interactions, such as negotiation, but group interactions. Lastly, note that discipline is conspicuously absent from your list as well. While this can be shored up with a good willpower score, you've got to think about how frequently, how frequently you'll be using your force powers. And if you plan to use them heavily, then you'll either want to set aside XP for non-career ranks or for an appropriate cross-spec that will give you career access to discipline. Word. Okay, so we've talked about the characteristics that are paramount and the skills that are obviously paramount. Now, both those things obviously play into a species choice. So mm -hmm. what species fit the model of the prophet the best, mechanically speaking, and maybe even role-playing speaking. So, I mean, th this is, I mean, this is FFG Star Wars, right? So any species will do, really. You can do anything. But some are going to give you a nice advantage off the bat. Now, we got to say, guys, with over 90 canon species in the books at this point, there is an awful lot to consider. But we are going to help you out as best we can by kind of just paring down the species you should flat out avoid. Um, and, 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 and focus on species that you really should put your attention towards. Now, those species, there's only really a handful of them, are species with at least twos in intellect, cunning, and willpower, and a three in presence or willpower, and, and thus obviously the two. So in other words, I'm sorry, I, I butchered that. Okay, the, at least a two in intellect and cunning, right? And then either a three in willpower or presence. Okay. Yeah. With with the opposite, yeah. obviously, you know. So, so you're looking at like you know, you know. I, I don't care about the physical stats, but in, in terms of in terms of intellect and cunning, twos, and then either either you know a, a two and three in either willpower or presence. Okay. Yeah. When you yeah. consider that, um, there's really a handful of species to look at. If you're looking for threes and presence and twos and the rest, there is the Bith from Fully Operational, uh, the Feline from Fly Casual, and Twi'leks, uh, obviously from the Edge of the Empire and Force Destiny core rulebooks. But yep. if you want to go for the three in willpower uh, and have a two in presence, and again, still twos in intellect and cunning, uh, there is the Arcona from Far Horizons, uh, the Chagrian from Lead by Example, which would be a kind of creepy prophet, um, <laughs> Huts, <laughs> speaking of creepy prophets, uh, from Lords of Nalhutta, um, Ithorians, uh, available in Savage Spirits and the Age of Rebellion core book, uh, Keldor from Knights of Fate, and the Pow, I always mispronounce this, the Pauwan, uh, the creepy guys with the lines on their face on the pointed teeth, you know, the dude who talked to yeah. Obi-Wan, they are here. Um, yeah, they're from Disciples of Harmony. Um, but anyway, all of those nine species are really good starting points to give you a mechanical advantage. But do we do we have any highlights from those? Can we narrow it down even further, Phil? Yeah. Now, of those nine species, we really do uh, have a couple standouts. Uh, beyond their fitting characteristics, they still provide good starting XP bonus ranks, a good starting XP and bonus ranks that fit the skills. The Powen, the from Disciples of Harmony, 95 starting XP isn't bad. No. But more importantly, they get a free rank in either negotiation or coercion. Yes. And then, of course, the Feline from Fly Casual, page 22, 90 starting XP, not bad. Free rank and charm is fantastic and would help you take a, a, that free spec rank in leadership, freeing right. up your ability to do that. Right. But their beguiling pheromones ability and storied Star Wars history from being charismatic leaders is just too fitting. Agreed. Actually, well, actually extremely agreed if we, when you get to my build. <laughs> word. Word. Now, it is worth noting that the Huts almost made this list. Okay. As they get a free rank in coercion or discipline, helpful, 
and a free rank in Nobody's Fool. Great for profitabilities. Yeah. But their starting XP is 70. Yeah. So that kept them off the list. Yeah. Still, if it doesn't bother you and you don't mind a slow buildup, a hut profit could be rather terrifying. <laughs> That's actually amazing. I can I can totally see that as, as a hut. I, I seriously... I, I seriously toyed with the concept for my build. You know, can you imagine like a minor hut who, you know, comes from a uh, a really disabused Kajadik, you know, and he has no power and he he becomes, you know, a a messianic figure to achieve power. I think that's freaking awesome. Um, <laughs> terrifying. That's terrifyingly awesome, but it's a, it's a slow burn. Um, additionally, guys, there is one species that we haven't talked about yet. Um, a tenth species choice that we have not previously mentioned. And we did not previously mention them because they are really worth a call out because they are the only species currently in the game with starting threes in both presence and willpower while still having twos in cunning and intellect. And that is of course the toy Darians page 22 enter the unknown. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, there's no skill ranks here that to benefit. I mean, just as the, I mean, the only, the only uh, additional species benefits they give you are a smaller silhouette of zero and the ability to hover. Okay. But (laughs) <laughs> but starting threes in both primary stats will save you 30 XP during character creation, easily letting you make up for those missing free skill ranks that you might get from your species. Uh, mm-hmm. Plus, I don't know, man, there's something just iconic about a slick toy Darian schmoozing a crowd with his words, isn't there? Uh, I don't know. It, it, I don't know. And for me, they're also it's a species that very much plays against type, which which I really like. So, oh, yeah, that's totally on you. Yeah. I see. As soon as you pointed that out, I was like, oh, Chris is going to make a Todarian. You went somewhere else, but I did. I did. I did go somewhere else. Some, somewhere a little. I, you know, I, I was I was we'll, we'll get to it. I, I, I needed somebody. I needed somebody attractive. So, yes. So yes. that's that's the only that's really the only reason I didn't go for a Todarian. But that's fair. Yeah. Now, as we often do, we're going to break out the Prophet's talents into a set of archetypes that, at least thematically, group these talents into meaningful discussion points. After we talk about those talents, though, we leave a very few important observations to make about this talent tree as a whole. Uh, Now, the first of these two paths we're going to call the Cantor. The Prophet is very dichotomous, and these talents focus on the Prophet's abilities with either charm or leadership to inspire and and teach those around them. Mm -hmm. Uh, This... This, for this type of build, you're going to focus on Congenial with two ranks in the tree at 5 and 20 XP. Congenial is a staple social talent that lets you suffer strain equal to your ranks in the talent to downgrade the difficulty of any charm or negotiation check you make an equal number of times. Or it lets you upgrade the difficulty of a charm or negotiation check that targets you. I, I, I gotta, I'm sorry, I got I to talk about this. You know how rare it is to find that kind of dual utility in a talent? Mm-hmm. Because I can point to a dozen talents that let you da- that you spend a resource like strain to downgrade the difficulty of something, and I can point you to another dozen talents that let you spend strain or, or another resource to increase the difficulty of a check targeting you. Yep. But how often do you find them both available in the same talent for the same cost, activated the same way for the same benefit? Right. Very rare. Uh, inspiring rhetoric and improved inspiring rhetoric. These are the most classic set of boosting talents in the game. Though improved is all the way down at tier 4 and 20 XP, the base talent is pretty easy to get at 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, grit, the tree has an amazing three ranks of grit at 5, 15, and 20. Wow. 
And honestly, you need the power. You need it to power a lot of your strain cost talents like congenial, overwhelming aura and twisted words. Mm-hmm. Also, the prophet will frequently find themselves in social encounter taking strain damage. So boost up that strain threshold. Yeah. Speaking of which, rapid recovery with two ranks at five and 15 XP. Each lets you head uh, plus one strain, heal one plus one strain at the end of each encounter. And again, you'll be using up a fair bit of strain in social encounters and for your talents, so rapid recovery is highly useful. Of course, there's the dedication and force rating talents, 25 XP each, bottom of the tree, know them, love them. And finally, the, one of the signature talents in the tree is at 25 XP, Font of Power. It's a unique and truly amazing talent, representing the Prophet's truly mystical connection to the Force, using it to influence others. In this case, once per session, you can take the action to activate this ability that lasts until the end of the encounter. While it's active, every Force user in medium range automatically adds a Force point to any Force die roll they make. And if you're a light sider, it's a light side point. If you're a dark sider, it's a dark side point. That's This ability is potent in any Force and Destiny group. <laughs> um... Yeah, this is. I, I don't. I. This is probably hyperbolic to say this might be. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a fan of support characters anyway. This might. This might be the best force talent in the game for me. Hands yep. down, just because I like to play support characters. I, I can't. I can't think of a more potent support talent for force characters. I just can't. Hi, you automatically get a, a light side point here. Oh, oh, here, here you go. Automatically. Pfft. Um, um, think about what this does too for like I mean all the all the times we've talked about force powers and we say you know well you know you know we we talked we talked about this way back when where it's you know listen don't don't go hog wild advancing a force power and buying upgrades for it until you've got multiple force dice because you're never going to be able to activate them okay this this changes that it changes it substantially because you can have a single force die and somehow magically get three pips when you roll. <laughs> this is true, but it also adds a certain level of um, uh, assuredness because by the time you get down to this power, your buddies are down to their uh, yeah. to possibly their force ratings as well. So that means that they are going to now reliably roll two pips and a third now. They will reliably get three force pips. And man, I, 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 that's crazy as far as like the, the stuff that you'll be able to pull with a guaranteed three force pips. Yes. So, okay, this is the, this is the, 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 the Cantor, right? And obviously charmy, leadershipy, light. So let's flip it. Let's flip it. And let's talk about the other part of this very dichotomous tree with the set of talents that we we dub the Formentor archetype. So while the Cantor aspect of the Prophet, again, is focused on this inspirational crap, the Formentor focuses on coercion, instigation, and fear-based talents. And it really starts um, with something that is shockingly cheap, considering... Um, because it is another one of the signature talents in this tree, and that is Overwhelming Aura. Um, this talent can honestly work on either the Cantor or the Formentor side, but but 
we put it here because improved overwhelming aura, which we'll come to, <laughs> is heavily based around fear. So we decided its baby brother should live in this archetype too. Um, yes. There, there are two ranks of overwhelming aura at 5 and 15 XP. Uh, the talent lets you suffer one strain to commit force dice not to exceed your force rating or your ranks in this talent uh, to not only add an automatic advantage to every social skill check you make equal to the number of committed force dice you have, but also it forces any opponent within short range to suffer automatic threat to every social skill check they make. This is literally using the force to win debates. That's that's literally what it is. The, this this talent pairing is built for social combat. Mm-hmm. That is precisely what it is built for. Now, one of the more intriguing things to note, and this really uh, kind of calling an, an audible here on the notes, I, I, I noticed this when I was making my build. You will get you are able to get two ranks in overwhelming aura long before you will be able to have a force rating of two. Yeah, that yeah. that is a pointless XP ex- expenditure. Now, thankfully, the talent tree is structured in a way that you're not forced to go through the second rank for anything. You, yeah. can, you can pick it up when you want at 15 XP. But keep in mind that you can't. You, you can only commit these force dice up to your force rating or your ranks in this talent. Like, like you, like, like it's, it's like an and. Okay, you you can't. If you have two ranks in this talent, you can't commit two force dice because you don't have two force dice to commit. Okay. Right. So you, you have to have the two force dice to commit for the two ranks to make any sense. Sure. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, next up on the, uh, the form enter side, we have scathing tirade, uh, one rank 10 XP. You can use your coercion in battle, uh, to a fairly effective degree. Um, next we have plausible deniability, uh, one rank at 10 XP right next to scathing tirade, uh, and very fitting for ne- being next to scathing tirade, uh, lets you remove a setback die, uh, per rank from coercion and deception checks. Obviously coercion being the operative one here, um, highly useful for the form enter archetype. Uh, Twisted Words, uh, new to this tree, uh, another debate talent. Uh, when you are targeted by a social check, you can suffer one strain as an incidental to spend to spend a despair or two threat the speaker has generated instead of the GM spending it to inflict strain on the speaker equal to your ranks in coercion. So oh. if, if he rolls two threat... You can go, yeah, GM. I'm spending. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pop some strain, and I'm gonna spend that to give him three strain because I have three ranks in coercion. Four strain. Four strain. Five, five strain. Whatever. Whatever. And it's obviously however many ranks of coercion you got. Exactly. Uh, obviously, this is this this talent is heavily there for uh, social combat. What? No, I was gonna say if you if you're gonna use twisted words, just prepare for it. Um. Make sure that you've got coercion at three ranks to make it worthwhile. Otherwise, I mean, you could spend two threat to inflict two strain anyway. The whole benefit of Swifted Words is just to be able to layer on the strain damage. Yes. Yes. Um, Next up is Fearsome, um, which is an interesting talent. Uh, When a foe becomes engaged with you, you, and this this is not the only tree to have this talent, when a foe becomes engaged with you, you can force them to make a fear check with a difficulty equal to your ranks in fearsome. Now, cross-specking aside, Phil, mm-hmm. um, <coughs> uh, cross-specking aside, 
there is only one rank of fearsome in this tree. So that means that when you activate this talent, it's going to be one difficulty fear check for the opponent. Um, and uh, th- that, that's, that's kind of weird. And uh, this talent is not only at tier 4, 20 XP, but you have to come up to it via the tier 5 talent beneath it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so is it worth it? Maybe. Maybe. With some good cro- with some good cross specking, definitely. But even solo specking, maybe. And the maybe is because the talent directly beneath it that you must come up to it from is improved overwhelming aura. Okay, tier five, twenty five XP. But what a benefit! First of all, while your overwhelming aura is active, all affected characters add an automatic failure to their dice pool results when making a fear check that you caused. Also. Allied affected characters add, or no, not allied, just affected characters add an automatic success to their results when making a fear check that is not caused by you. In other words, this ability beefs up overwhelming aura to make fear checks harder for your foes when they're checking against you and to make fear checks easier for your allies as you boost them up against external fear checks that they have to make from another source. It's an amazing ability. And again, going back to Fearsome, you have to get this talent first. So one difficulty on a fear check might not seem like much unless you add an auto failure into the mix every time they're rolling against it. Then it's a bit more potent. So I'd rather add an automatic failure into something like that than just a reg- another purple die. Abso-freaking-lutely. I'll take the guaranteed failure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, as, as Chris sort of alluded to with the way that Improved Overwhelming R and Fearsome all kind of work together, this tree is weird. Yeah, and we need, we need to talk about these observations because we got to talk about this, man. Yeah, yeah. It's weird in general, but it also regards to being a social character tree. Some very intentional design choices were made here in order to enforce a set of principles around the profit. And you really do need to be aware of them if you're planning on a profit build. Yeah, the, f- the first piece of weirdness, if you guys look at the tree, restricted movement to tier four. Isn't this weird? Like, if you get you, one path. One path. And this is, I've never, I, I can't think of another tree that this exists is like this. There is one single line path down to the tier four talents. You have to go through inspiring rhetoric and grit to get to it. So honestly, it's not even, it's like you, you have a single line path from tier two to three to four. You, you have to go. Um, inspiring rhetoric and grit. You you are required to. You will be forced to take these two talents, no matter what, if you want to advance to the better talents in this tree. This means there are mm-hmm. there are some trees that are like this. I mean, I'm like the the slicer comes to mind. It's got oh, that path where yeah. it needs to go straight down, and there's like one or two others, but I just never seen it like this. It and and especially because it forces as you as you're about to say, um, it forces you to take some talents that might not be on your focus that's the thing um and so what that means is this talent by how it's designed those things better be on your focus because you're going to be forced to take them and that's that's what i guess i'm trying to get at leadership for inspiring rhetoric should never uh be a choice you ignore on your skill list ultimately because you will be forced to take a talent that utilizes it so damn it take some ranks in leadership um, it also means that even if you're a vile character, you still will have the ability to inspire your underlings and advocates, which I think mm-hmm. is very is very interesting. 
the other thing is if you're building this, uh, building a, a, a formenter is that there is no improved scathing tirade in this tree. Mm. It's very rare to see the basic without the improved. And we do see it for inspiring rhetoric. So if you take scathing tirade, it's not going to be your focus without a cross spec because you can never get the improved talent. It's just going to be one more thing you can do. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's, this is one of those times where, and we so rarely see this, but, but when, I, when I look at those design choices, Phil, it's almost as if the writer was very clearly pushing the, the player to a specific path, hoping that they would be more light side oriented. Yeah, yeah. Now, definitely weighed that way. Yeah, and, and maybe that is to counter the fact that it's so easy to go dark in this build. Oh God, yes. Um, because and we didn't talk about this in the talent improved overwhelming aura. Um, or no, no, not no. Is, is it? Yeah, it's improved overwhelming aura. That's a that's a conflict generating talent. So it is. That's that's because you are imposing your will over others. You are imposing your will. Merely knowing the talent is an auto conflict at the beginning of each session for you. Yep. Okay. Um, you have very powerful. You're literally using the force to influence people, and that is dangerous. So I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So Phil, speaking of that, this is a yes. for, this is a force sensitive character. We've talked yes. about the species. We talked about the characteristics. We've talked about skills. We've talked about the talent selection. The other big aspect for a Force-sensitive character, like every other spec in F&D, you start with it, you get a Force rating of 1. You're a prophet. Considering everything we've talked about, Force powers, man. What Force powers should such a character consider to really add to and play off their build if they decide to go the Force power route? Okay. So the prophet is not a physical character by any stretch. No. Nor a combative one. Force powers can help that. Keep that in mind. Still, though, there's one big staple you can't ignore. Obviously, it's influence. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a staple in nearly any Force-sensitive social character. And instead of us talking heavily about it, just go back to episode 86, influencing the narrative, and listen. Mm -hmm. We deep dive into influence there. But here's some things about the power that really matter for the Prophet. Ironically, you rarely will be using the first control upgrade to do the classic mind trick. I mean, sure, you can always benefit from it, but your social die pools are going to be so high that it's rarely going to be necessary. What you should rush to is the second 15 XP control upgrade that lets you roll force dice as part of any social check, spending force pips to add successes or advantage to the results. Amen. That's the best use of influence for this particular spec. Um, there's two other powers we think you guys should consider. Um, very quickly, the first from Phil's excellent earlier wisdom about using the force from a combative standpoint, since you have no combative capability, move. All right. Move is your classic, easy to pull off combative force power. Okay. Um, you know, it's also a great chance to wow your followers with a flashy display to punctuate your message um, <laughs> uh, from the pulpit or the soapbox. Um, and lastly, I wanted to bring up ebb and flow. Um, ebb, ebb and flow is found in Disciples of Harmony. Um, so fairly new power, uh, very thematic choice that actually fits along with your abilities, uh, to boost party members in combat and hinder your foes. That idea of, of, of manifesting the force in an aura around you, which, you know, a lot of your talents really do play to. So does ebb and flow, um, in, in a much more soft capacity than something like hard, like battle meditation or something like that. 
Um, sure. not, not to mention it, it's a lot easier to get ebb and flow than it is battle meditation. So, right. um, yeah, just something to consider. Something to consider. So, as we like to do, we're now going to take a look at the best ways to augment a profit build with some cross-specialization action. Yeah, buddy. Now, with a whopping 127 specializations to choose from, we're going to cherry-pick some highlights here. Fortunately, because of the focused nature of this build, there are a few fun combos that can be had, and a lot of pairings that just don't work well without a ton of experience to build them. When you're looking at cross-specking, you want to look for pairings that help out your build. In this case, the Cantor and the Fermenter. The Cantor wants to boost with Charm and Leadership, and the Fermenter you want boosts to Coercion, Leadership, and Fear. Yes. Also keep in mind that you may want career access to Discipline, depending on whether or not you want to use Force Powers heavily or not. Mm-hmm. So what works well, Chris? Oh, the good. What things are going to augment the best? Um, you're looking for specs that are going to leverage your greatest strengths, social influence, and group support. Uh, let's start in Force and Destiny, shall we? We're there already. Let's do it. Um, and let's keep it easy in terms of cross-spec XP by staying within the Mystic. Um, the Advisor. The Advisor is not a bad pairing, man. This is honestly one of the easiest choices you can make considering the low XP yeah. cost of cross-spec. Um, it gives you a few more setback-removing talents that really pair well with your skills. Um, it can also get your ranks in Smooth, smooth Talker. Uh, which is a big help when you're swaying large crowds, um, as most of the rules that involve numbers of net successes to get more people. Um, Natural Charmer, really good for Cantors, um, and Sense Emotions is really great for either a Cantor or a Formentor build. Um, Consular Sage. Um, it's not a bad dip, uh, but its abilities lie more in Knowledge, uh, even though it does provide a couple ranks in Smooth Talker. But if you do decide to go knowledge-heavy with this build and be that sort of educated mystic, um, not a bad pairing. Not a bad pairing. Sticking in the Consular career, Arbiters would get a boost from the Prophet's abilities as well. Hmm. Sense Emotions and Congenial are good focus-boosting talents because, you know, layering on more levels of Congenial. And the spec gives you some combat capability if needed as well. Hmm. Now, a really fun combo when you're building a Formentor is the Warrior Aggressor. <laughs> wink, wink, Plenty. nudge, nudge. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Plenty of talent support here for coercion and fear-based builds. Ranks of fearsome, intimidating, and your overwhelming aura helps out you helps you terrify cap- helps out your terrify capabilities. And speaking of intimidating, the Warden presents another fascinating combination for Formentors. Intimidating, fearsome, no escape, baleful gaze. All of these talents build off your overwhelming aura to make you a, into a guardian that prophesized you're going down. <laughs> okay, you know what? It's still enforcing destiny. A couple more. You know what a really funky pairing is? What's that? Prophet plus pirate from Dawn of Rebellion. <laughs> um, it's a universal spec. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But fearsome rep, intimidating, double talk. And prepare to be boarded. All get boosted from the prophet's abilities. Now I've got just this vision of Hondo going, ah, as I predicted, you you are going to be boarded. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in a similar vein, um, a commanding, uh, well-loved ship captain also gets a nice boost from Prophet uh, with uh, all their leadership-based talents. So something else to consider. Yes. All right, so let's start jumping across books here, or lines. Uh, Edge of the Empire. Mm -hmm. 
I really couldn't find a lot of noteworthy pairings here. Politicos are all right, since they get access to both improved and supreme versions of inspiring rhetoric and scathing tirade. Uh, the most hilarious pairing for The Edge is the performer. <laughs> Smooth talker, kill with kindness, intense presence, biggest fan. With a prophet, you could literally have a cult of personality. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. That's a fascinating build idea, Phil. Hmm. hmm. Funny that. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's honestly, dude, from, I mean, I mean, like you say, Politico, I mean, yay, it's another social spec, it marries well, but honestly, other than that, I agree with you, man, like, like, performers. There was a lot. Performers about the only thing in Edge that really sinks well. Um, now, I mean, you get other stuff that like just add to the the just the like knocking off setback dice, but there's nothing that really pairs like those two. Not like those two, no. Um, now, when we move to the red line of books for Age of Rebellion, there are a couple of good pairings, though uh, a little more solid um, coming from the diplomat career. Naturally, um, um, ambassador. Uh, ambassador Profits, uh, a cross-pairing of an ambassador and profit, you get access to improved and supreme inspiring rhetoric. Okay, very handy. Nice. Um, and in a similar vein, the Agitator gets an even bigger boost from Profits. Nobody's Fool, Plausible Deniability, Intimidating, Improved, and Supreme Scathing Tirade, if you really want to go that Formentor route. Natural Enforcer, and of course, Incite Rebellion. Um, take your Force-Powered Aura and go start some trouble. I was this close. I was this close. I almost, almost made a a a profit agitator because it, it makes perfect sense. It just makes perfect sense. That, it does. It that does. is your message. Damn the man, save the dream. You know, <laughs> right? That's that's yeah. Now here's for the oddball partnering from Age of Rebellion. Okay, the one that no one expects. A Prophet Interrogator. It's an amusing grasp as a concept. Someone whose mere presence pries information out of their subject of inquiry. Intimidating. Bad cop. Good cop. Resist questioning. Exhaustive questioning. Will all have, your fe have you fearing this holy inquisitor, even if you are sitting in a rather comfy chair? Ooh. The guy just sits down across from you and stares at you, and you just feel uncomfortable. Or if you even think about it from like the whole point of being doing a large in a group interactions, an inquisitor who just kind of walks out to a crowd and is able to just get the crowd to just crack and just start betraying information. Salem witch hunt. There you go. Mm -hmm. yeah. Interesting. All right. Those are all really good cross-spec uh, suggestions. Yep. Let's talk about the bad. What works horribly? What cross-spec options should you try and avoid as poor mechanical or thematic choices? Um, there's really a couple things you just want to kind of steer away from. And I'll go with the first one, which is technical specs. Um, your whole thing is about interacting with people. The more, the merrier. You are not going to be doing that very much if you are hip deep in a ship engine or building a droid or anything like that, unless you are a project manager. Um, and even if, you, even if you are a holovid star, which is highly probable with the Prophet, you're not going to be doing your own production work. It just ain't going to be happening. So no. just stay away from it. Right. And additionally, along those veins are loner or stealth specs, like thieves, infiltrators, assassins, hunters, anything that relies on you not being seen or discovered. <laughs> you need people to make your abilities to shine. 
Um, finally, unless you're really developing a focus build for it, obviously combative specs aren't going to be too um, too high on your list either, unless you specifically build yourself for that. Yeah. But we'll come to that. We, we may. We, we may. Um, well, okay, speaking of, let's come to that. <laughs> because, listen, we spent the last uh, hour talking to you guys about, you know, how this particular specialization can be played and should be played from a role-playing standpoint. We've talked to you about how best to build it, species, skills, characteristics, talents, cross-specking, all of it. Let's put our own advice into practice with our much-loved build-off. Uh, we are going to go head-to-head, Phil and I, with our own profit builds, which you can vote for after the show on the D20 Radio forums and on the Order 66 podcast Facebook page. Vote for whom you believe has the best build. Now, the rules for this build-off are fairly simple. Each of us creates a starting character using the normal rules, and then we advance that character with 100 earned XP. That's it. So, Phil, I'm very eager and I'm very excited, sir. Please, go forth, go forth, lay it on us. I'm I'm so anxious to hear about your build. Even though I've read it, I want to hear you say it. It's brilliant. All right. The build concept is Terrace the Night Brother. It is an aggressor profit build. I liked the concept of a force using profit who uses their abilities in a more aggressive manner. Someone who comes up and fights you not with their fists, but also with their presence. A concept is someone who is cocky, arrogant, and can back up those qualities. I almost see this character as a sort of street level like wwe star (laughs) someone who just comes into the area and just has this aura and presence and just beats the tar out of people and the crowd just goes nuts or recoils in horror listen brother (laughs) (laughs) so terrace grew up on iridonia but discovered the legends of the knight brothers the zabrak tribe that lived on dathomir Sensitive in the ways of the Force, Terrace adopted their style and mannerisms, even going so far as to covering himself in tattoos, much like those of his more aggressive kin. Through the Force, he learned to project his aura to a level few have seen, to inspire and intimidate those who are near him. He'll tell you that the battle is a bygone conclusion, that its outcome has been decided by the will of the Force. And then, to add insult and injury, he'll prove it to you. (laughs) Not to add insult to injury, to add insult and injury. Yes. (laughs) Character creation. We'll start as a Zabrak. Like the other starting character, I like their starting characteristics as well as the free advantage to coercion checks, which will be an important source of damage. I'm going to purchase brawn up to three, willpower up to four. Damn. Now, this means I'm keeping presence at one. Is what it is. It's part of this build. It's a very focused build. Okay. Starting as an aggressor, because I need the combat skills. (laughs) I could have started as a prophet, but if I go to aggressor, I only get access to range light. I need, I want access to those physical skills. Yeah, it's wise choice, wise choice. Uh, For morality, I'm going to start with certainty and egoism. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Starting skills, athletics, brawl, melee, coercion, streetwise. For talents, I'm going to start with Intimidating and Overwhelming Aura, because I'm also going to purchase Profit as part of this starting build. That's why I didn't buy up his Charisma. So I'm starting as an Aggressor and purchasing Profit. 
I have athletics, brawl, melee, coercion, and streetwise. I have intimidating talent, overwhelming aura. Because that mean, allows me to do something with my force point, with my, uh, my force rating. So that gets me then my starting character. Now, plus 100 XP. In profit, I'm going to buy up grit, rapid recovery, scathing tirade, plausible deniability. Over an aggressor, I'm going to buy another rank of fear. I'm going to buy a rank of fearsome, intimidating two more ranks, terrify, and prey on the weak. Yeah. And I'm going to buy up my coercion to two and my melee to two. In the end, we have a melee fighter that is a so that is solid in combat, can take a hit as well as deal one out, but also one that is able to cause a considerable amount of strain to their opponents. Terras will play with his opponents, wearing them down with words and with an aura of intimidation and fear. With his potent coercion pool, his opponents will become terrified and make mistakes against him. He will layer on setback on top of setback, wearing down his opponents until they give up or pass out. He doesn't have to lay a finger on him, on them. But where's the fun in that? <laughs> this is a guy that is going to go dark side really, really quickly. <laughs> yeah, he is. So that's what I'm bringing to the table, Chris. What combination have you brought? My build is... Uh... <clears throat> You know what? I'm not going to call out the tongue-in-cheekness. I'm just going to talk, and you guys can figure it out. My build is Jewel Ustin, Hollow Evangelist, and Reverend of the Prosperous Gospel. I, I really like the idea, much like Phil did, of fully embracing the prophet who unabashedly goes to the other side of that line, um, using his capabilities and the force to satisfy his sense of personal power, avarice, and success. So Jewel is a quasi-religious icon who is so far gone, he believes his own propaganda. Um, the backstory here is that Jewel Osteen grew up on Feline, uh, surrounded by a culture, as Feline is, of decadence, one-upsmanship, and pure materialism. His father was actually a very nice man, a Force adherent at a local temple who preached the will of the Force to guide all things. He was not well-received. <laughs> And as the years went by, a young Jewel watched the Empire come to power, shut the temple down, and his family suffered even more extreme poverty, and Jewel grew resentful and determined. Upon coming of age, he decided to follow in his father's footsteps by starting his own small temple, but with a much different message. Material wealth and success were a part of being close to the Force, and those with power and wealth only achieved it in the first place by following the will of the Force. And he, Reverend Ustin, could guide his parishioners to that path, the path of success. <laughs> Jewel's small temple grew by thousands each year until he eventually was writing best-selling novels and producing a galactically syndicated holonet broadcast all devoted to his prosperous gospel. <laughs> Jewel receives millions of credits and donations and tithes from viewers all over the galaxy who meditate and pray with him live on the holonet, not to mention the revenue from his books. And he has since moved his temple to Coruscant, upgrading it to the largest temple in the known galaxy, able to seat 100,000 sentient beings. They call it a mega temple. With embedded holo recorders, of course, to broadcast his sermons weekly. 
And despite his detractors, he always seems to come out of interviews and scandals unscathed. He has even been a guest of the Emperor and is rumored to be his new spiritual advisor. Despite their harsh critiques of the false hucksters known as Jedi, Pastor Ustin's message resonates with the Imperial Court, and he is seen as a trusted ally within the New Order. <laughs> okay, beginning character creation. Sorry that was so long, but I kind of went on a roll with that. No, it's cool, man. I loved it. It was great. Um, so beginning character creation, I had to start with Feline. Um, the, the lore fit was just too good, and so were the stats. I needed a character who was pretty to pull this off, okay, which is why I didn't go with a Toydarian. It's somebody who's got to look really good on a book jacket, okay? <laughs> um, you know, but the stats were great. I mean, starting three in presence, twos in everything else except brawn, which I don't care about for this build, free rank and charm. And Beguiling Pheromones, 90 starting XP, it was a good fit. Um, now, for his morality specifically, and I didn't put this in the notes, but I actually, I, that was an oversight on my part. Uh, pride and arrogance, definitely. Yep. Okay? Yep. However, I did not take the 10 XP boost for 50. I started him dark. Nice. Nice. It made sense considering his backstory. He's too filled with hatred and resentment. Yeah. Um, and, and, and channeling it into his message. Sure. Um, so I'll immediately pump 30 of, uh, Jules starting XP into willpower to bring that up to a three. So now I've got threes in both presence and willpower, 60 XP left to spend for the beginning build. Um, I'll start in profit, um, uh, nabbing a free, uh, skill career ranks in charm, coercion, and knowledge lore. Um, and with my free species rank in charm, uh, from playing a feline, I'm already at two ranks in charm at that point. Uh, for my two free ranks in profit. Uh, from skill, from a skill perspective, I'm going to grab coercion again, bringing me up to two ranks there, and a free rank in leadership. Uh, then for five XP each, I'm going to get a rank in congenial and overwhelming aura uh, from the profit tree. I'm also going to pop five XP for a rank in deception on the skill side. Forty-five XP left. Next, still in beginning character creation, I'm going to drop thirty of that remaining XP to immediately cross spec into performer. Uh, and then 5 XP for a rank of Kill with Kindness, 10 XP for rank 2 of Congenial, all from the Performer Tree. Um, now, at just beginning character, Jewel is a charismatic dynamo, dynamo. He has two yellow, one green pools for Charm and Coercion, with one yellow, two green pools for Leadership and Deception. As a beginner character, he can spend two strain to downgrade the difficulty of any Charm check he makes twice... And if he's dealing with a single living person in short range, his pheromones can let him spend two strain to upgrade the ability of the check he's about to make. And he can ignore a setback die on that check. So that was the beginning character. Now, as I advance him with 100 earned XP, uh, Jewel will shore up his dice pools even more and focus on talents that make it easier and easier for his social ch skill checks to be successful. Um, in the performer tree, uh, Jewel will spend 15 XP for intense presence for the strain recovery. Uh, then he's going to spend 15 XP for a third rank of charm as fast as he can, following it up with ranks to, with rank twos in leadership and deception for 10 XP each. That's 35 XP spent on skills. Moving back to the profit tree, Jewel will grab plausible deniability and inspiring rhetoric for 10 XP each, and his last 30 earned XP will be spent on a rank of grit and then twisted words. Um, only got two ranks in coercion, but still worthwhile. You know, two strain hit, two strain hit, two strain hit. Um, sure. So at, at 100 earned XP at the end of this build, Jewel is a social icon. He's got three yellow pools in charm, uh, the ability to ignore setback dice, 
to both downgrade his difficulties and upgrade his abilities through talents and abilities that only cost him a little bit of strain, which he has the ability to recover quickly. Um, he's also a talented liar and an intimidator, especially of his detractors, whom he often catches off guard with his twisted words. Um, he can inspire his parishioners and even make them feel the power of the force through inspiring rhetoric, literally restoring strain for them in the middle of a sermon. And that's uh, Pastor Jewel Ustin. That's hilarious. So there you go. That is absolutely hilarious. Um, well done, man. <laughs> that was a really long build. I'm sorry. I kind of, I kind of went into La La Land there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm Texan. I have very strong opinions about that issue. Um, yes, I, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> so both really interesting concepts, and I find it fascinating that both you and I decided to go a little dark with it. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. So does, is that is that maybe our final message for this spec? It is really, it's fun to go dark. It's really hard not to go dark with this. It's really hard not to go dark with this, folks. Um, this can be a really challenging build for you to play, uh, specifically for that reason alone. If you're fine kind of dancing that edge, then this can actually be a lot of fun for you. I mean, I guess one of the reasons why um, it might be easy to keep this as a gray spec now that I think about it, because you might be earning so much conflict that you're kind of netting out with your conflict rolls at the end of the, at the end of the end of the session. Mm. So it's may, might be more easy to take this spec either gray or go dark. Um, but yeah, no, um, you can do a lot of fun stuff with this build. If you're willing to accept some conflict for it. It is an intriguing spec. And honestly, I'm really eager to get it. I'm really eager to get it on the table, <laughs> but yeah, also because I love support characters and I love socials characters. So, so yeah, this is right up your alley. I know. I, what are you kidding? It's a podcaster as a spec, an ego, an ego maniacal weirdo with a message who likes to hear themselves talk. How can I go? How can I possibly not enjoy that? I know. Right? Um, <laughs> it's like they made it for us. It's like they made it for us. It's brilliant. Oh gosh. Well, listen, it was a really good suggestion. We had a, a few, few people suggest that, uh, but specifically Greg on Facebook. I know you had asked for that uh, spec just very recently, so thank you. Um, if any of you guys have any specific specs you would like us to cover in Well Isn't That Special, head to our Facebook page. Let us know. Go to the Order 66 Podcast Facebook page and post it up. We want to hear it. Um, but, dude, do we uh, should we get to some questions now? Is it time? Is it time for some questions? We didn't do it last episode. We ran out of time. Let's do some questions. Then. Let's do some questions. He doesn't seem to take a hint, this guy. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. Messages from the Edge. Boy, am I glad to hear your voice. I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance. Welcome to Messages from the Edge, where we take the time to answer your game and rules questions about this system. How can you get these questions to us, you might ask? Well, the easiest way is to join our social media communities, like so many of our other listeners, and post it up on the Order 66 podcast uh, Facebook page or on our Discord channel. And, as always, you can travel to our forums accessible from d20radio.com and post them up. Or you can email your question to us directly at gmchris, gmdave, or gmphil at d20radio.com. And lastly, if you're brave enough, 
You can leave us a question via the voicemail on the D20 Radio hotline at 262-D20-RADIO. That's 262-320-7234. And tonight's first question comes in via the Facebook page from Ignacio Sato, who has a doozy. All right, so he writes this. Hello, Order 66. I got a question about racing. Currently, I got a game going in Corellia, as you aptly nicknamed Space Texas, <laughs> in which the party are on an underground swoop racing team with a Doug Racer, a McKeon mechanic slash Padawan survivor, and a shady Tordarian manager. That's awesome. <laughs> However, I am wondering if there are better rules for racing than this example race in Sons of Fortune. I have seen a rule that mentions that the difficulty is based on the highest speed and silhouette, with the highest being the base purple dice, and the lowest being the number of upgrades. However, that seems too punishing for the players. What advice or house rule would you recommend for racing? Thank you, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast because I'm too busy drinking Corellian whiskey. That is an acceptable excuse. It is a very acceptable excuse, and you'd better save me some. <laughs> So, Ignacio, there are actually quite a few non-house rules that you can leverage for racing. Um, and honestly, a race or a chase can be extremely fun and exciting. First off, um, we highly recommend that you, if you've not already, re-listen to episode 99 of this podcast, Gone in 60 Parsecs, uh, where we seriously dig into the racing and chasing mechanics of this system. We talk about not just the rules, uh, but how to use them well as they are written. And that may be part of the problem here. Um, how to craft races and chases that are true set pieces of excitement for your players and how to manage that difficulty appropriately. Um, so honestly, we're not going to rehash the advice we gave for an hour in that episode. Just go in and give it a listen. But we do have a few other things to say and recommend in relation to your direct question. Now, uh, keeping the race example in Sons of Fortune aside for the moment, you will find the raw race chase rules specifically called out in each core rulebook in a sidebar called The Chase. Um, it's on page 241 of Edge of the Empire, um, 255 of Age of Rebellion, and 247 of Force and Destiny. Same sidebar, all three books. Read that sidebar. Just read it. Make sure you understand it. Now, if, if, if you find those chase mechanics that are detailed in those sidebars uh, using speed and half the silhouette rounded up to determine the base and upgraded difficulty pool to be too difficult for your players, you need to consider the following. First and foremost, if you have a true racer like your Doug PC doing the piloting and a true race mechanic like your McKeon PC doing the ship riding and the upgrades, then that racer should have a pretty boss handling score on his vehicle. Not to mention the fact this is a swoop. Okay, or at least he should have a boss handling score. Everybody forgets about handling, man. Everybody forgets about handling. I forget about handling yeah. all, all the time. <clears throat> and let me tell you something. Having a plus two handling equating to a plus two boost dice to piloting checks really makes that tough difficulty a lot less scary. Okay, point two. If these guys are racing swoops, you got to consider that swoops have what, Phil? A silhouette of one? Uh, two, but that... Half that rounds half down that. to one. One. Okay. That means that a speed of three, which is blindingly fast in personal scale for a swoop, 
um, will only give a one red, two purple difficulty. And I'm sorry, for a career pilot like your Doug, that should actually be pretty tame of a difficulty for them to overcome on a sure. regular basis. Now, and again, you add in the point above of good handling on the ship, they should be knocking that out of the park pretty easily. It should not right. be that daunting, man. Um, right. But. But. If you don't like what we've just said, and you don't like what we say in, in episode 99, and you really just don't like the raw mechanics, uh, and you truly do want to house rule something, we do have a couple of non-raw suggestions for you that will not break your game. Um, first of all, there's the simple one. Just reduce the difficulty, man. <laughs> you can reduce the difficulty of any race or chase check made. Okay, is one red, two purple too much for you? Shave it down. Make it one red, one purple. But... If you do this, that difficulty must apply to everyone making the check in the race. In other words, you can reduce the difficulty all the live long day, but it is reduced for all pilots, PC and NPC alike. At that point, you still have parity. Okay? And it's not going to be broken or imbalanced at that point. Second of all, another suggestion that is non-raw. You can replace the entire chase mechanic in racing with a skill challenge. Now, the Order 66 podcast has discussed skill challenges before, but I'm actually going to point you to another podcast uh, to really dive into that. Um, check out our sister show on the D20 Radio Network, the Dice Pool podcast, which is devoted to, Gen to Genesis, which obviously has the same core narrative dice system as FFG Star Wars. Um, a while back, they released episode 19, which I actually had the pleasure of guest hosting on and came on specifically to talk about how to build skill challenges and design them and run them. Um, and a race is an excellent skill challenge if you don't want to use the chase rules. Plus, if you make this a skill challenge, you can bring that mechanic and that manager into the encounter actually quite easily, and where it's not just the Doug running laps around. So I'm a huge fan of skill challenges, and you know, go give that episode a listen of the Dice Pool if you really want to look for something balanced, but still out of the box. So, anything I didn't mention, Phil, was worth mentioning? No, that pretty much covers it. I mean, I if you're going to build a race, uh, <clears throat> uh, the skill challenge is definitely a solid way to do it if you don't like the chase rules as they exist in, in the game. Yeah. But you know, if, if, his, if his issue is just difficulty, just first, I mean, what? Make sure you understand the difficulty, okay, correctly. Right. Um, I've, people for, I've, I've seen people forget about half silhouette, and that's bad. <laughs> It's not yeah. okay. Yeah, because he was saying you. He was saying silhouette, and it's yeah. not. It's half silhouette. Half the silhouette. Okay, that's extremely important. Um, you know, and and even then, man, yeah, you bring a good pilot into the mix, good handling. It's not that bad. It's really not. It's really not in play. I mean, your Doug, your Doug pilot should at least be rolling two yellows and a green if they're built anything correctly, and then another two or possibly even three boost dice on top of that from the handling. Yeah, you you should be able to handle those skill checks, Chief. Easily. Good question, though. Um, and I hope that I hope we helped. Um, yeah. So our next question tonight also comes to us from Facebook from Darth Lectus, um, longtime listener, who asks, Hello, I have just listened to a recent show, and the listener question regarding automatic advantages reminded me of something I was never quite sure about. Some of the vergences in Nexus of Power have an effect of adding automatic pips of a color according to what side the vergence is keyed to. In that case, there's obviously no cancellation symbols so of, of symbols, so my question is this. When an automatic black pip is added to a check by a light side user, or vice versa, is this something they have to use automatically, or can they still choose to disregard it? 
I would be leaning towards the automatic use as I feel otherwise the danger or temptation of tapping into a dark virgence would not really be represented. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Too bad I will never listen to the response, though. May the force be with you, and thanks in advance, Greg Darth Lectus. Well, thank you for not listening, Greg Darth, Le- Darth Lectus. <laughs> but we will answer your question anyway. Now, Darth Lectus is referring to the strength and alignment aspect of the virgins, and is more clearly detailed on page 93 of Nexus of Power. A virgins has a strength, which can either be a minor or a major virgins, and an alignment, either light, dark, or neutral. A minor virgins has an automatic one-force pip to the results of any force check. One light pip if the virgins is aligned to the light, one dark pip if the virgins is aligned dark, and no pips, just a narrative feeling of connection, if the virgins is aligned neutral. Now, a major virgins adds two force pips, again, light or dark, based on the corresponding alignment, and adds just an extra force die for a major virgins that's aligned neutral. Mm-hmm. So now that we understand that, to your question, does the force user have to use the automatic generated pips? Despite your concerns, the answer is no. No, they do not. From a mechanical standpoint, the PC always gets to choose the pips they use or don't use. To put it in this way, if a PC is forced to use those pips, then the most virtuous of the Jedi Masters, a light side paragon, would be forced to suffer conflict simply by making a force check in a dark aligned vergence, because they would be forced to use the dark pips. And that's not right. There is no aspect of the force in canon or legends that forces conflict or dark side use on anyone or light side for that matter. The force has always been about a choice. Just like when you roll a dice and you generate dark side pips, you don't have to use all of them. You don't have to use any of them. It is a choice. And where's the temptation? Well, the temptation comes from you having another force pip to draw from. (laughs) You know, I sit there and I look and if I really need four force pips and I've got two force dice and I roll three on my, I roll three pips when I really need to make this move check work and really whale that guy with a silhouette two object, I'm going to be damn tempted to use that third, that third, uh, fourth pip rather that this virgins is offering me. Also, it all depends on the skill check and how well you roll. Also keep in mind, you don't choose to tap into a virgins. No. That's the other, that's the other important part, Greg. You don't choose when you're in the Virgins, the effects just happen, okay? So, again, if I'm a light side Paragon and I happen to be fighting a Sith in a dark side Virgins, I'm not choosing to access that power. It's just flowing around me because the Force, all right? But, you know, my, my choice is to whether to... My, my choice comes... Uh, to echo what Phil said, my choice is whether to use the power I'm given or not. Yes. So, that's, that's all I got to say. Right on. Right on, right on. <laughs> Two very good questions. Guys, if you have questions you'd like us to answer on the podcast about the game or the system, as Phil said, hit us up, let us know, and we will get you on the air. But now, it is time to come to the end of our show. <laughs> Tis very sad. Tis very, very sad. Um, God, our next show will be what? Sunday, uh, February 24th? It will be. Sunday, February 24th, so be sure to tune in for that. And we've, we've you know, Phil, we spent the last two episodes diving into some really crunchy topics. Um, yes. Are, are we going to get a little soft and creamy and juicy with our next show topic? What are we going to be talking about in two weeks? 
In two weeks, we're going to be talking about investigations. Ooh. Uh, specifically in your games, clues, uh, you know, do you provide them clues? Do you railroad them? Do you give it to the, rely it on the dice? Do you rely it on the player's ability to put clues together? What are some mechanical options you can use for running investigations and how to set the proper tone? So we're excited to be talking about this prod, uh, this uh, uh, topic in two weeks' time, February 24th. Yes, very good, very good. Um, very, very excited about that. We have some really good advice I think we can lend. Um, in the meantime, guys, we want you to become a member of the Gamer Nation. Um, head to the Order 66 podcast Facebook page, throw us a like, post up any questions or show topics you'd like discussed on the show. Um, you can also join the D20 Radio Facebook group, a very vibrant and active community of listeners ready to share in your geeky loves and engage in a robust gaming discussion and questions. And of course, visit us at d20radio.com, where you have access to all the podcasts on the network, some fantastic blog articles, and of course, a link to our forums. If you wish to go old school, you can register there and post your mind. You can also email us, as Phil said earlier, GM Chris, GM Phil, or GM Dave at d20radio.com. Also, if you're brave enough... Give us a call, 262-D20-RADIO. That's 262-320-7234. Leave us a liner. Tell us who you are and why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Ask us a question. We want to hear it. And with that, thank you all for tuning in. This is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And this is GM Phil. May the dice be with you. Post-show. We got we have we've had some interesting things happen. Um, I watched. I watched. I'm sorry. I know you're a New Englander, but I I watched Punt Bowl 53 and was not. It a was Punt Bowl. I'm I'm not going to deny it. that was a great game. If you like a defensive football game, <laughs> it was Tony Romo said that. He was by the way, Tony Romo. What a great announcer. Yeah, like, he wasn't bad. He's fantastic. I, he- I, I didn't want to punch him once. No, seriously. I was like, wow, that's that's not only entertaining, but insightful. And you know when to shut up. It's like, wow, you're a great announcer. And plus, I'm sorry, as as a, as a guy who lives in Dallas, it was really exciting for me to finally see Tony Romo make it to the Super Bowl. It was. It was, it was wonderful <laughs> to finally see him get there. He deserved it. Uh, but yeah, he made that comment. He's like, you know, yeah, this has been an interesting game. I mean, I guess if you're really into defensive football, this must be thrilling for you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Oh God. Ah, uh, no. It, it, it was it, it was a good game. It was a solid game. Um, I was impressed with the defense on both sides of the ball. Yeah, um, the offense was the offense was a little shaky at times, but well, you know, the the Pats pulled it out. Uh, yeah, it was still boring as hell. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock that man. I'm not gonna say you know. It, I I. Oh man, that was it was it was hard. It was hard. And uh, interesting commercials though. We had some interesting commercials. Uh we had some new spots for Captain Marvel. We had some new yep. spots for Avengers. Yes. Um dude, have you seen the you saw the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer? Yes, I did. Dude, that looks great. 
dude, Mysterio, I'm like... <laughs> when did they make Mysterio badass? It's like, how did they make the fishbowl helmet look badass? That's never how? looked badass. How did they do that? <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the MCU for you. That's uh, Exact, dude, isn't that... It's like... It's like, <laughs> it's like this is going to look stupid. The MCU is like, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean, oh, dude. Uh, total, total surprise. I, I just, I can't, I was, I've been, and, and Gyllenhaal, Jake Gyllenhaal? With the, with the, with the, with the scruff beard and everything? Looking all badass? How, how'd they do that? I, d- I don't know. So, now, they also, if I'm, if I'm not completely mistaken, that was Sandman and Hydro Man, right? So, I think that's what makes the most sense, okay? Um, and it totally does. But I've read some marketing material, and I, I they, they talk about the, the, the villains are these, they, they call them elementals, okay? So, I don't know, but I have an, I, I don't think it's Sandman or Hydro Man, and I don't think it's elementals. You think it's Mysterio? Of course! Yeah, makes sense. Too, because he's fighting them. It makes total sense. It makes yeah. total sense. He 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 he's he's gonna he's gonna start off as a hero, and, and, and then it's all just a big sham, um, to to boost himself. That's that's what it is. It, it's gonna be a huge bait and switch and an awesome turn. That's I don't know. That's my that's my. You're probably right. Theory. You're probably right. My theory. Yeah. So I I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh. But yeah, really excited, man. We got an exciting few months of movies coming up. Oh, seriously, seriously, yeah, cannot wait. I'm uh, only le- less than a month. Less than a month for uh, for for um, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, yeah, yeah. That's that's gonna be off the hook. Yeah, it's it looks really good. I'm 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 very very excited. Um, I hope I hope I'm gonna be in the country for it. Did you see that Disney put up a 90s themed web page for Captain Marvel? Yes. With all the really bad GIFs and animations and colors and all of the things that were the 90s on the internet? Yes. It was uh, hilarious. That was incredible. Um, <laughs> oh, God, it looked so painful. <laughs> <laughs> That's your history, man. Like don't don't be mad at your pages. history. Oh, okay. So the Avengers four—they've been playing it so close to the vest. Um, but I don't know if you saw this, Orville Redenbacher. Orville Redenbacher, the popcorn people, like many, of course, uh, companies do. They they have a, a tie-in to a, to this Avengers film, and they yes. they they like everybody else will be releasing themed product. They accidentally, for about 90 minutes until it got pulled, released an image of the new Avengers in their new outfits and everything else like that, so as to be on popcorn, right? To, like, promote. And before they pulled it, a lot of in, uh, internet people got an image of it, and it is very interesting. And... Uh, so Is that the one where I've seen they're all in like purple and blue, uh, purple and white outfit jumpsuits? Well, it's like purpley blue kind of thing, but the yeah. Hulk, but the Hulk, yeah, Professor Hulk, yo, yeah. I mean, full body jumpsuit, and he's look, he's got that intelligent look in his eye, and like the Reed Richards gray on the side of his temples, like for yeah. his hair. It's just like, what is this? Okay, uh. so yeah, that happened. Um... But I'm also, and I'm sorry, I'm really pissed off that we haven't seen any Episode Nine stuff. 
typically they would have released something by now. No, it's not not anymore. We won't see anything about that until celebration. They're keeping it all, especially because J.J. Abrams is involved again. We're not going to see anything until until uh, celebration. So the week after Gamer Nation Con. Yep. Interesting. We will see episode nine. We'll see. We'll finally re- they'll reveal what the title is. They're going to hold onto all of that until until celebration. Part of me says they've been doing too much too fast. They need to pull back. And then part of me, like right now, really misses the hype. Yeah. Yeah. What I would love to see is once they are done with episode nine, take a few years off. A couple years off. And it sounds like that's what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, they're really focusing on the Mandalorian. They're focusing on the new Clone Wars season. Um Resistance is getting interesting. I am not enjoying it as much. Have as... you have are, have you been keeping up with it? Uh, I'm a couple episodes behind. I was right in your shoes. Oh, getting interesting. It's getting interesting because they're now introducing a lot more about the first order. Okay. There's a lot more first order stuff going on now. Um, and once I start doing that, I'm like, ooh, game ideas. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that after this year, after episode nine, they're going to take a few years off, like two, maybe at least a year or two. They're not going to have anything for 20, uh, 2020. Um, hopefully they'll keep 2021 off the table. And then we might start seeing some of these new films like uh, Rian Johnson's um, trilogy. Are they up. still going to give it to him considering the split reception to his work? Pride, I imagine so. I hope so. Split reception to his work aside, he made them a billion dollars. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Hmm. Yeah, because I'd very much like to see a fresh trilogy from him. That would be... I'd love to see a fresh trilogy from him. Yeah. I would love to see a fresh trilogy that did not involve the classic the classic uh, families. What do you think they'll do? Well, I, I think Lucasfilm will make him take it into the future. I would love to see it in the past, though. I was thinking that I think the past is the direction to go in. You take it back. Like you know, if rich. you really want to separate it from the, if you really want to separate it, you take it back. You take it back to, like pre. You take it back to the old Sith Wars. You take it back to the old Republic. Of course, Disney Lucas being Disney Lucas and everything they've done. If they did that, they would take all the uh, Legends material we know uh, from the old Republic and completely throw it out the window and piss off the fanboys all over again. Boom. Boom. So who knows? Maybe they do go, maybe they do go forward with it. Forward with it. No, they'll de- after, after saying that they'll definitely go back and they'll definitely have an excuse because, because <laughs> keep mind, it's an excuse to restart the marketing machine all over again. Yeah, that's true. It's, 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 uh, it just makes sense. I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> <sighs> It'd be good. It'd be good. But yeah, you're right. Disney will like go, you know, we've already taken care of all this stuff post Jedi. Now we, we fixed all this and uh, let's go, let's go backwards. Let's go back here and erase all these 30 years of, of lore that, that came out. So yeah, they're, they're, this is what they're going to do. Okay. Um, I know your time crunch. You don't have, a, you don't have the opportunity to watch a lot of stuff. 
Um, but on net, do you, I don't know if you know if you have Netflix. I have access. Yeah. Okay. They have a Netflix original movie called Polar. I've heard of this. When we're finished recording, you just need to watch the trailer. Just okay. Just just go to YouTube and watch the trailer. Um, we watched it. We loved it. I don't think we were quite prepared for it. Um, okay. It's it's. Uh, you ever see Red with Bruce Willis and? Uh, oh, yeah. absolutely! I love Red. Okay, and you've seen John Wick. Yes. Okay. Imagine putting the two of those movies together with color. Huh. Um, is is basically what it is, and the film is based off of a web comic that was very successful and got turned into a graphic novel. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it had a, a had a very surprising turn at the end for me, at least. Um, and Mads Mikkelsen is the hero, and he got like he got jacked to play this role. <laughs> um, like absolutely jacked. And also, from a violence and sex standpoint, it makes Game of Thrones look like a kid's show. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Be prepared for that. <laughs> okay. Like, like, wow, I didn't know you could do that with a nail gun. <laughs> Eep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I will have to watch this film. Um... Yeah, dude, I, I highly recommend it. It was it was very good. If yeah, when we get finished, you need to you need to grab Beth and you need to sit down and watch the trailer for Polar. Okay, we'll do. Yeah, yeah, just just watch it and then and then, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, very very interesting, very interesting. <sighs> so, How have you been, man? Okay, man, okay. Just working hard. Um, yeah. I'm not traveling until uh, early to mid March. Good. Um, and I'll be I'll be off into the wild blue yonder again. Um, I, we're gonna have to work hard. I want to make sure we we do our best not to interrupt our show schedule as a result of that. Okay. Um, but I we will uh, we'll do that then. I, I like this momentum we've had going this far. As do I. And um, I I'll only be gone for about a week and a half. So okay. so hopefully I, I can time it just right. Um, a lot of that will depend on our our client uh, on on whether whether I'm leaving a half week, like I have a full week. I need to be there. And then it's a question of whether I leave half week before that or stay half week after that. Um, gotcha. and gotcha. you know, worst case scenario, we, maybe we, we advance our schedule and we, we have a, have a week between episodes. Um, but I, I don't, I don't want to push it to three weeks. Not if we can help it. Um, nope. es- especially because gamer nation con is going to be, uh, smack dab in the middle of the schedule. So, gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's push yeah. for it. Let's yeah. do it. I, I'm I'm all down. I'm all down. And I'm loving some of the show topics and suggestions we're getting into. And you guys really do seem to be um, our social media and Facebook following has been growing tremendously. And it is so much easier to I hate to say it to to coordinate questions and show topics and everything else through there. It is so much easier. It is. Um, so I'm, I, I, you know, and I, I love the community that's continuing to grow. So it's fantastic. Keep it up, guys. Keep it up. How about you? Are you doing any trooping? Um, haven't been trooping too much, uh, partially because it's kind of a slow season up here. 
Uh, we got a few few things here and there to go troop at, but uh, really doesn't kind of start up until like the spring is when it starts finally getting back and active, other than like little things here and there. Um, kind of been doing a lot of just mostly the freelance stuff lately. Um, and that and trying to work on some of my own stuff. Uh, I haven't had much of a chance to really write a heck of a lot these past couple years. I've always had mostly projects that were on the table that I wanted to put some time into. But what little time I had for writing, I had to sink into games I was running or or like starting last year, um, like projects for, for Fantasy Flight. Uh, now I've got an opportunity where I can finally start getting some mileage on my uh, my fantasy space setting that I've had in my brain for a few years, uh, and I'm excited to finally get some some work going on that. Uh, also, I'm happy to finally find some inspiration to get some more stuff done for my Fallout theme for Genesis. See, um, I'm I'm hoping and praying. That someday Fantasy Flight Games will release like an OGL. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that so so all the content I'm working on right now is stuff that's non copyrighted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, with, with my familiar setting and Aegis. Um, I, I and I was working on some cool stuff too, like Assassin's Creed. But it's like uh-huh. it's like I, I kind of put it on the back burner for right now to focus on some original concepts. Um. Uh, from from a Star Wars standpoint, obviously, in terms of just Star Wars, um, I've got a couple modules I'm chewing on right now. Yeah. Um, the first is a sequel to my Forgotten series. Um, by listener request, because that series that series ends with some very interesting possibilities for those characters, and uh, we're 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 gonna we're gonna come back to them a couple years later. In in cool. a, in a very in a very interesting way, and um, uh, I guess people will read it when I publish it anyway. But but the the idea being, you know, they're obviously not going to have amnesia. Um, sure. But I don't know if you've played or read it, but um, in the in the end, they they get the cure. Okay. Yes. And it's basically an inoculation. Yes. Um, in addition, Black Sun, who created this whole experiment and the weaponized form of this this neurotoxin they destroyed everything you know they didn't want any trace of it left around well there this all genesis because i had the i i i had some listeners email me with a couple interesting questions they said yeah so like one of the things you wrote into the adventure that the players always do is after they arrive on Narshida and they investigate their conditions at the medical clinic, they have their blood drawn and they have samples taken and they analyze this stuff to figure out what's wrong with them. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, so there's a sample of the toxin still out there. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're absolutely right. There totally is. (laughs) And so where I'm going to play this is a couple years later, the the six PCs are going to get pulled back together because I'm not going to get into too much, but basically there is a power that has is basically gotten a hold of this again and is is secretly weaponizing it in a terroristic way. And they're gassing entire metropolitan areas. And anyone they send in just gets gassed and suffers from the amnesia and dies. The only people in existence who are immune to the effects of this... 
are the, are the, PCs. Are the PCs. And so they're going to get wrangled in by a completely different power, not a noble one either, but a completely <laughs> different power to uh, handle the freaking situation. So, yeah, um, uh, it's it's going to it's going to be a long haul. It's going to be another three module set, but it'll be it'll be a lot of twists and turns, a lot of intrigue. It'll be pretty well worth it, I think. I'm excited. Um, the other thing I'm working on, and I will definitely have done um, by the summertime, um, and and we'll we'll make it a part of Kickstarter rewards and everything else. Is um, a very long time ago, I did a module um, uh, that was a sort of a, a, a space piratey module. Um, do you remember this? Which one? Uh, God, I, it's so late. Even I'm trying to remember what it, what I called it now. Um, what did I call it? Uh, Dead Man's Hand. Yes, I remember Dead Man's Hand. Yeah, Dead Man's Hand, where the, with the robot space pirates at the end, but the the, the crew were these archaeologists, right? Yeah, yeah, um, I played that one. Yeah, um, I, I'm 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 gonna build another adventure for that party, that crew set, another awesome, another another Indiana Jonesy style thing for them. So that'll be that'll be awesome. that'll be done pretty quick. And then from a Genesis standpoint, um, trying to work on some original content. I'm I'm working on a theme, a setting um, called uh, uh, called Moonlight and Gaslight. Um, which is uh, Victorian steampunk horror, and inspired inspired by like films like Van Helsing or uh, 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 League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and, and and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. Um, it's been it's been really fun coming up with ways to play like a half vampire or a uh, engineered Frankenstein's monster kind of character. Um, nice, you know, or or have you know. Uh, and, and, and putting this pulp lens on it, too. So, you know, as you get into, you know, thinking about how magic's represented, you have skills like mesmerism, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. So. Nice. Yeah. That sounds cool, Chief. Yeah. Now you're, you're long. Now these are all just minor themes and crap like that. You're the, the, the that sci-fi setting you've been working on for forever. I mean, you've put so much into that. You've got a tome already written, don't you? Like. I've got a lot of ideas that need to be like refined down, but the idea is, is that this is not, this is going to be like a campaign world. Um, a, and something that ideally gets added to and a storyline develops and moves forward and something that folks can, if they're interested in it, participate in and play in and, and experience the, the, the events as they come is kind of my ideal outcome for it. Because I've got these ideas that you know it's 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 a kind of a, a bleakish universe where there's a whole bunch of systems and a whole bunch of, uh, of spacefaring empires. They interact with each other. They don't always get along. Some of them do. Some of them don't. Uh, there's this overarching church that is oddly worshipped by all of them that they discover. A group of evil gods that you know you need that the church goes. You need to live yourselves all the straight and narrow, and and be upstanding individuals, and and make these sacrifices to to the dark gods, or they will find you and make you burn for eternity, or freeze in eternal torment. And by living your life on the straight and narrow, you 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 will reside in purgatory for eternity and, and not be tormented for the rest of your days. <clears throat> Meanwhile, they've got these paladins that go from galaxy to from, not from galaxy, but system to system. They're completely autonomous, and but they spread the will and 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 uh, and um, influence of the church. And they actually do have honest to God holy powers. 
So they actually have magic. And some of the nations got up together and said, we're not, we're tired of you. We're going to come and take you down, church. It wasn't even a battle. It was a massacre. <laughs> so kind of like an evil Jedi Knights type thing, or maybe even like the Sith, if you sort of think about it that way. Uh, but they're the only real actual magic in this universe until it gets discovered again. And that makes the church very, very afraid. Interesting. It's going to kind of build off of there. You got a lot where it's all going. You got a lot of potential in that. For I mean, you can do a lot of political intrigue style games. You know, um, yep. You know, Twilight Imperium, basically the setting, but at the same time, you've got space wizards. You've got Resistance Rebellion, armed combat. Yeah, man, you got you got a lot. You got a lot. You got a lot to work with there, man. Yeah, that's that's the whole kind of idea. That's where it's going. That's where it's going. Very cool. But it is getting late. Yes. Sadly, I should probably get going myself. Fair enough. All right. Well, Gamer Nation, thank you for sticking with us. Good night and good luck. Peace. You've been listening to the Order 66 podcast brought to you by Ethan Kinsey, GM Scott, Jeremy Bensley, Bert Ingley, Joshua Taylor, and William Thiel. This podcast and related websites are not affiliated with Fantasy Flight Games, 20th Century Fox, Walt Disney Corporation, or Lucasfilm Limited, and its content is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. All original content is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast and Gamer Nation LFC. Yeah.